Hello, I'm Kate Freeman, and this is The Daily Dollop. The Daily Dollop podcast is proudly brought to you by The Capital Chemist, Australia's premium community pharmacy where loyalty matters. On this episode of The Daily Dollop, I'm chatting to Millie Thomas, an eating disorder recovery coach, about her journey with anorexia and the slippery slope of diet culture. Here's part one. Welcome back to The Daily Dollop podcast, everyone. I'm really excited today to have a special guest with me. Joining me is the incredible Millie Thomas, Millie is a certified eating disorder recovery coach and neuro-linguistic programming practitioner. Millie battled anorexia nervosa for 15 years and is now fully recovered and providing support and guidance to other eating disorder sufferers. She provides individual coaching and a fortnightly support group through an organization called End Ed and her private practice called Healed. Millie also hosts the End Eating Disorders podcast, which is actually produced by the same network as The Daily Dollop. So we are kind of like podcast siblings. Hi, Millie. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. I am so excited to chat to you. I have an uber long list, as you know, of questions that I sent you that I'm dying to talk to you about. But in true Daily Dollop style. Do you have a fun fact that you would like to share with everybody? Oh, I think I do. So my wrist, uh, my right wrist is, is a little bit stuffed up, um, but it comes out at a bit of an angle. And that's because I uh, was once working at a health retreat and teaching an aerobics class and fell onto it because I'm a little bit unco like that. <laughs> and then uh, we're in the Hunter Valley. It's very hot and I wanted to continue working. And, um, and we went to a rural hospital and the cast they put on wasn't the tightest cast. And so I was able to slip the cast on and off to go for little swims and do the things that I wanted to do that weren't really appropriate with a cast on. And so (laughs) long story short, my wrist never actually set back in place properly. So, um, yeah, that, that's me, my little bung wrist. I love that your vigor for life just was like, I'm not letting this cast call me back. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> I love that. I'm actually getting physio on my shoulder for the same reason that I didn't do the rehab eight years ago on an injury. And now I'm doing the rehab because anyway, we learn, right? Don't we? We live things? and we learn. My goodness, <laughs> we do. Absolutely. And I think it's kind of like a good topic to think about, you know, you know, healing ourselves and and allowing ourselves to go through the process of being healed. Patience, Kate, patience. Yeah, because this is your journey. So do you mind, um, before we get stuck into a bit of your story, just telling me and the listeners a little bit more about your role as an eating um, disorder recovery coach and and what that involves and and what you do um, as a coach. Absolutely. So I work as an eating disorder recovery coach and a neurolinguistic programming practitioner, so NLP. And I work for both uh, the amazing Sunshine Coast-based eating disorders charity, Ended, 
And then I also have my private practice healed. So mm-hmm. I do I do my coaching as well as um, a myriad of other things. I, I run some groups. I do the social media. Um, we've got the End Eating Disorders podcast. And I also am involved in several projects in New Zealand. And we have also just established Australia's first residential eating disorders facility, Wandi Narada. So there's Amazing. a lot happening. And we've also got the Ended Espresso Bar and the House of Hope up in Mumbai, which we're, we'll be opening next year. Um, so mm-hmm. we're very, very passionate about community connection and compassion and the impact that that can have um, on people recovering from, from eating disorders. And I've also been involved with um, a, a lots of stuff using my lived experience to create systemic change um, at a federal level. So I'm very passionate about eating disorders. And one of the things that uh, I, I love about what I do is the power of recovery coaching. So it's been a lot of stuff in, in the media um, worldwide recently around recovery coaching and the fact that it's a real game changer in eating disorder treatment. And so um, as a recovery coach, I'm, I'm on tap for my clients. So it's all very well to have an hour session with your psychologist or your dietitian each week. However, having a recovery coach means that you have got someone literally walking alongside you on your journey. So Mm. what I know from my own experience is eating disorders don't have operating hours. They don't clock off on at nine and they don't clock off at five. And so my clients can reach out to me whenever they need to and they get that real in-time, you know, real-time support. Um, So say someone's had dinner and they're feeling really vulnerable and like they want to engage in a particular behaviour, they can message me. I'm going to message them straight back and we'll figure out a strategy for help them get through those feelings. Um, Also, the other thing is, is the beauty of my lived experience is I see straight through that eating disorder. So they may be able to run rings around um, other therapists, but I'm going to see straight through it and call them out on on their BS, as a lot of my clients say. And and that is really, really amazing to be able to do that. And it's a a, a talent that, you know, I spent 15 years getting that talent. So um, I have, you know, the ability to do that. So I work alongside a client's multidisciplinary team. So they're they're psychiatrists, they're psychologists, dietitian, GP and mm-hmm. work together to help them um, achieve the, the treatment goals that are set by the team. And so it's very much, you know, a collective effort and mm. I'm able to help with a lot of the more practical aspects that um, other members of the team might not be able to. So for example, I can go grocery shopping with them, provide meal support, help them clean out their wardrobe when they've uh, gained weight. Um, and, you know, along with the more practical aspects, it's also things like identifying, you know, behaviours that are sabotaging their recovery, um, teaching them how to practice body acceptance, you know, introducing concepts like body neutrality, challenging food rules. I I do fair food jars with clients and um, we pick them out each week in our sessions and then um, throughout the week they send me photos. And so it's really about doing recovery together, I guess, and and being that guiding light um, along the journey. And um, I think for me, you know, I know that if I'd had a recovery coach when I was unwell, it would have made a massive difference to my recovery. And that's why I'm so passionate about what I do. I think that's gorgeous. I have frequently throughout my career as a nutritionist and just teaching people about food and eating have often thought, I just want to live with you for a week and just give you the skills yes. that you yes. need 
go shopping with you. And I'm like, oh, if I did that, it'd be really expensive. And my <laughs> my family would resent me. But I can so relate to how you've come to this point in terms of setting up your business and helping people in this way, how you've got there. It just makes so much sense. It's awesome. Yeah. And there are coaches that do live in coaching. Um, yeah. I'm, are there? Because, wow. Yeah, there are. Um, but because I'm across so many different things, that wouldn't, um, wouldn't work for me at the moment. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So you talked a lot about this idea of lived experience. So you um, suffered from an eating disorder for a pretty long time. I remember listening to your story on the End Eating Disorders podcast and it just moved me so much. So can you share a little bit about, yeah, just your journey um, with your eating disorder and when that started and how you felt like that started and just, yeah, your process to where you are now? Absolutely. I'll try and I'll try and do a shortened version of that. <laughs> it's hard to sort yeah. of cram 15 years into five minutes. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So I had a very normal childhood, um, didn't really think about my body at all other than what it allowed me to do. Uh, yeah. And uh, then I was put into uh, an all-girls private school at year seven. And uh, at the end of year seven, I had full-blown anorexia. So uh, what we know now is the genes load the gun for an eating disorder and the environment pulls Mm. the trigger. So I was genetically predisposed to getting an eating disorder. I had the personality characteristics that would, um, you know, predispose someone to getting anorexia. So perfectionism, OCD, high achiever, all those types of things. And then I was put into an environment, which was that school where the scene was set and um, my eating disorder just really dug its claws in. And so uh, I was taken out of school uh, for year eight. We basically, I was refed. We did family-based therapy. My mum took time off work. And um, the idea at the time was that uh, we feed her up and we get her weight up and then she'll be fine. Entered back into school in year nine, still had all of the thoughts, but I thought, well, I have to pretend to be fine. Everyone's like, oh, great, she's well again. Um, And so I threw myself into academia to cope with that. I was like, I'm going to be the best student. I'm going to be fantastic at sports. I'm going to, you know, do all the cultural stuff and which I did, but I wasn't living. I was existing. I wasn't doing the things that a typical uh, teenager does. I wasn't going to parties or even if I did, I wasn't, you know, really um, participating and, and being myself. I was always so worried about whether I'd be made to eat or what I looked like compared to somebody else and all of those things. It very much lived in my head. Um, and then that was, that, that continued. And then year 13, which is the last, so all all of this happened in Auckland, New Zealand, what I should, should add that. Um, and in my year 13 year, which is the last year of high school in New Zealand, um, I was nominated to represent New Zealand at the Global Young Leaders Conference, which was to be held in Washington and New York. Amazing opportunity. Mm, amazing. And I, um, you know, embraced that with, with open arms. It wasn't until I got on the plane that I realised that uh, this was the first time I'd actually been away from my parents since my eating disorder began. And so I had been on holidays and done amazing things, but my parents had always been there. So there was someone there making me eat. And so I got on that plane and the eating disorder just took hold and said, oh, look, this is a great opportunity. You're not going to have to eat. No one knows. You can lose some weight. And I came. I lost a significant amount of weight on that trip, um, dangerously so, and got home. And unfortunately, by that point, I'm, I'm, I was 18. My parents couldn't make me do anything or, you know, they could guide me and support me. But at the end of the day, these were my decisions. So um, that became my new normal. That weight became my new normal. Uh, I got a scholarship to university, so I went straight, um, straight to university, studied business, marketing, topped the business school. Again, uh, existing, not living, but pretending to. If you looked at my Facebook memories from back then, and oh, look, there she is in Ibiza. Oh, look, there she is. <laughs> you know, uh, the whole time I was just miserable internally. Yeah. 
Um, but I was very good at putting a game face on. And little by little, I just kept losing more and more weight, just bit by bit. Um, so, and then that would become my new normal. And then that lower weight would become my new normal. Um, obsessed with exercise and restriction. And basically fast forward, I was, so the whole time I was being seen as an outpatient uh, from a hospital in Auckland. And uh, there was one day where they asked my parents and I to come in for a meeting. And I'll never forget that day because they pulled my parents and me into a room. And I remember everything about the room and what I was wearing uh, very, very vividly. And they basically said, well, you know, you're one of the most severe cases we've ever seen. Um, and you're not going to make it. And basically palliative care is is, is the option um, that mm-hmm. needs to be considered. And that day was the day that I felt my hope got taken away from me. You know, up until that point, I'd yeah. really been trying. I hadn't been making that much progress. However, I had been trying. And yeah. when the so-called experts told me there was no hope, then what's the freaking point? This recovery stuff is so hard and I'm just mm. being told that it's not even possible. Why mm. would I bother? Um, so I stepped out of that room and, and obviously never went back to that team because I was just so upset with what they had said. Mm. Um, but unfortunately that triggered off an even further downward spiral. So then I lost more weight. Um, and it got to a point where I went to my, my local GP who'd been my, our family GP ever since I was a baby. Um, I went to get some medication and he basically looked at me and I, I just remember him having tears in his eyes and he said, you've got a week, maybe two to live. We need to decide what you want to do. Do you want to live or do you want to die? And mm. I had never been suicidal, never been depressed. But in that moment, after 15 years, I was done. You know, I was done mm. with waking up every day feeling like it was Groundhog Day and I had to face this all too overwhelming reality that was a li- my living hell. Um, I, d- mm. I didn't sleep because I was starving. I was freezing cold. I, you know, couldn't get comfortable because my bones were sticking out. I, um, you know, was running for ridiculous amounts each day on, you know, painful, painful stress fractures. I had the bones of an 80-year-old. Um, a life was miserable. I I just, I literally just dreaded each day. And to my way of thinking, you know, I tried so many different treatments over the years and I just, the only way that I could ever see that I'd be at peace was to be looking down on the world from afar. So I made that decision. I went home and told my mum, which of course she found very difficult to come to grips with. Um, However, she also knew how hard I'd been trying and how long we'd been on this journey for. Um, Mm. And she wanted some peace for me as well. So uh, she was going to Noosa. She said, "Will you come with me? It always been one of my happy places. Um, and I, I, you know, unbeknown to me, her hope was that, you know, this would spark something in me. She'd also found a woman who specializes in NLP and hypnotherapy. Uh, her name was Silky. And I went, I went with mum to Noosa and I agreed to go to an appointment with Silky. I agreed for mum, not in a moment not for a moment did I think it was actually going to work. I mean, she's never dealt with mm. eating disorders ever, this woman, and I've tried every specialist under the sun. So how is it going to be any different this time? However, um, Silky, I vividly remember her just saying, oh, do you want to change your brain? I'm looking at her and I'm like, well, yeah, of course. And she said, well, you know, I, I said, of course I do, but you know, they've said I can't and it's impossible. And she said, no, that's not what I'm asking you. Do you want to change your brain? Yes. And she said, okay. Well, you can. And, you know, the really just formative things that she just threw at me that just total game changers for me. And she said, you don't have an eating disorder. I looked at her like she was crazy, like I'm dying Mm. of one. And she said, you know, an eating disorder is something that you do. 
it's a behavior that's become a habit and habits can be changed if you really want to. And I think in that moment, I realized that I was going to die. If I didn't do this, I was going to die. If I didn't dive in and take the leap of faith, I wouldn't be here. I didn't know what it was like to live as an adult. I'd got on well when I was 12. I had no independence. I never lived out of home. I couldn't feed myself. Like I wanted to know what life was like. And um, so I dived in. It was the hardest six months of my life. Uh, it was just sheer terror. Um, there were tantrums. I was literally like a toddler, um, just absolutely feeling like you're stripping me of everything that I know. And I felt completely out of control. Um, however, you know, what we know is recovery is actually the process of me regaining control um, from my eating disorder. So um, it was a process of coming home to myself, becoming softer, not only in my body, but also in the way that I viewed the world um, and in the way that I treated other people. And um, it was a really, truly incredible, incredible process. So in six months, I, I weight restored and and found myself again, came home to myself. Um, mm, and yeah, it was, it was amazing. I mean, it was, it was extremely difficult, the hardest thing I've ever done, mm. but also the best yeah. thing that I've ever done. Um, went back to Auckland and swiftly realised that that wasn't going to be a place that was really conducive to me living this new life that I had. Um, I went to LA, which has always had a, held a special place in my heart and spent a couple of months there. Whilst I was there, I had this really sort of pivotal moment where I was journaling in a park and I heard a woman pushing a girl, little girl on a swing. She was about seven years old and um, she said to the girl, you're getting too fat. I won't be able to swing you uh, anymore soon. And I just had this visceral reaction in the pit of my stomach to that comment and wanted to just scream at this woman, like, do you have any idea the, the course of events that this could trigger off for this young girl? And that was the moment where I started to realise that I did have something in me that I wanted to share and people have been saying you should write about your journey and I sort of thought, oh, there's lots of anorexia recovery books out there and I don't really feel I have anything unique to share. Despite that, um, so this was in the beginning of 2016, I sat there that night and wrote on my Facebook wall very in a very raw, honest way about what it felt like to live in a living hell of, of anorexia and um, I went to bed. And I woke up and hundreds and hundreds of people had liked it and shared it. And then Huffington Post published it and then um, various other media organizations. And this was this moment of going, that's what that was all about. So this is, mm. this is the reason. Um, and this is my purpose here on this earth. And so I decided I was going to move to the Sunshine Coast, my happy place, because why wouldn't you? I nearly died. So <laughs> <Love> hey, <laughs> may as well live where I'm happiest. And I yeah. wanted to start an eating disorders charity. And within two weeks of moving here, I met the amazing Mark and Gay Forbes, who had founded Ended as a parent support group. And I joined forces with them to help people who are, who are in the trenches themselves. And we had the joint dream of establishing the residential. The rest is history. Um, and as I say, now I've got my private practice and we've got various other things happening. And I feel incredibly, incredibly lucky to be able to use something that was the most painful, excruciating experience of my life um, to turn that around and to use it to help others. Um, and I feel very lucky mm. that every single day I wake up um, and know that um, I'm living my truth and um, I'm doing, you know, what I was put on this earth to do. Oh, I have goosebumps. It's like the very thing that sought to take your life is the thing that actually gave you your purpose. And, oh, I think it's so beautiful that that's the way um, our lives can turn around like that. It's so, such a great story. I think you summed up a big journey really well, actually. <laughs> well done. I, know I was quite impressed with myself. I thought, gosh, I did that. <laughs> Got that down. It was pattern. good. 
That's it for today's episode. Tune in for part two tomorrow. Life's too short to live with food stress. The answer to your food woes is not trying another fad diet. Join the Healthy Eating Hub today and focus your efforts on building a healthy relationship with food that nourishes both your body and your soul. And if you or a loved one are struggling with an eating disorder, you can get in touch with Millie via the links in the show notes. And I highly recommend checking out the End Eating Disorders podcast. A big thank you to the Capital Chemist and the Daily Dollop In Crowd for their continued support of our show. We couldn't do this without them. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode. And if you love what you're hearing, please leave us a review.